0: Before we get started, I wanted to let you know about our new SPU Voices Podcast newsletter. If you want a little bit more information about our interviewees and a sneak peek of the next episode and what else, Kyle?
1: You'll also get behind-the-scenes photos. If
0: they're good, I took them. If they're not, Amanda took them. You can sign up at spu.edu backslash Voices Podcast. Our next four episodes will feature our 2020 SPU Alumni Award winners. You can hear their stories here and then come meet them in person at our awards dinner on February 8th, 2020. First up, we have medallion honoree, Teresa Davis. This episode, we talk with Teresa Davis. She and her husband own five of Seattle's iconic restaurants. And did you know their first restaurant started with a school project here at SPU? The only thing I ever got from a school project was paper cuts. And Teresa got Blue Acre Seafood. Has a school project ever changed the course of your life? Have you ever taken control of your own identity? Do you want to? Well, this is the episode for you. Teresa Davis received her accounting degree from SPU in 2007. She and her husband are the masterminds behind incredible Seattle restaurants, including Blue Acre Seafood, Steelhead Diner, Orfeo, Zane and & Wiley's, and Tim Pesta Coffee & Donuts. While Kevin runs the kitchen, Teresa handles the business side of their culinary empire. She's an accountant, a lawyer, a dedicated mother of four, a kung fu student, and an orange belt in kimpo karate. Somewhere between management training sessions, kiddos, and martial arts, she found just a few minutes to chat with us. Teresa, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I have so enjoyed getting to know your story. You do not have the typical Seattle upbringing of born and raised in the Pacific Northwest. You weren't even born in the United States. Can you tell us about where you came from? Uh, Sure,
1: I was born and raised in uh, South Australia, in a small town called Mount Gambier. And then I, when I was a teenager, 15, I moved to one of Australia's larger cities called Adelaide, which is where I met my American husband, Kevin. How did you two make your way to the States? So we uh, were both restaurant people, been in the restaurant business since we were teenagers. We were working for an Australian company that was bringing out American chefs to an American concept called uh, it was called Bacall's and they had a nightclub called Bogie, so it was Bogie and Bacall's. We worked there for a year or so and then Kevin, my husband, was offered the position of executive chef at a, um, Louis- a New Orleans restaurant called Arnold's, which is a fairly famous Creole institution in the French Quarter. In New Orleans, he was the first American chef at that restaurant. Previously, they had only had French. Chefs, And it was an opportunity too good to pass up, even though he, he loved Australia. And so he took the position. I didn't go to America with him immediately, but it was one of those situations where as soon as he left, I realized, oh no, that was my person. <laughs> uh, so I followed very shortly thereafter when we got married, when I got to the States.
0: So how old were you when you came to the States I for was, your person?
1: you know, I was 18.
0: Wow, that's a big choice yeah, to make at 18.
1: I know. So we've been married for uh, a long time. Well, I, and it worked <laughs> out. That's the amazing part, right, Lucky. That it, that it all yeah.
0: worked out. That's fantastic. So Kevin's being a, a hotshot chef and getting more and more accolades
1: for what he's doing and you're working behind the scenes. So I've always been a restaurant manager and accountant, always been in the restaurant business, I did not work with Kevin for probably the first 10 years of my career. I was in nightclub, more in the nightclub side, uh, whereas he has always been very firmly in fine dining. We moved from New Orleans to California, and that was when we first started working together in our first restaurant partnership. And then we moved to Seattle with a chef called Jan Birnbaum, who's fairly famous on on the west coast kevin started working for the kimpton group which is a hotel group again prominent west coast hotel group then i worked with kevin starting our um career together really at ocean air seafood where he was the chef and i became the Accountant. That's um,
0: Oceanair was the very first fancy Seattle restaurant I ever went really? to. Yep, with a couple, two very good friends of ours here from SPU, and they got engaged. Wow! And so we splurged and put all the money we had in together, and went to Oceanair <laughs> to celebrate awesome. their engagement.
1: Awesome. Well, Kevin would have been the chef.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, he
1: was the chef uh, the entire time they were there. Oceanair did very well in Seattle, and Oceanair is now Blueacre, which is our restaurant. Uh, we ended up taking over that restaurant um, when the Oceanaire group folded. So you are
0: in Seattle. Your husband is a chef. You are doing management and accounting, but then you weren't happy. Things were not going the way you wanted them to go.
1: Right. I, I had a lot of difficulty during that time. I had had a, f- a fairly serious anxiety disorder at the time, which never was a problem in the restaurants, but it was outside the restaurants. Anyhow, I was, in, I was at the time getting cognitive therapy to kind of rework the way that I think. And my therapist noted that I seemed to have a lot of insecurity around the fact that I'd never been to college. Hmm. And I was, you know, 30 at the time. And he said, I think that's a really important part of your life that you missed out on. And he encouraged me to go back to school. I also had a lot of uh, self-esteem issues being married to someone who was semi-famous who everybody loved and everybody wanted to talk about. And whenever anyone talked to me, all they wanted to talk about was my husband. And that can really wear on your psyche after a while because I was also working very hard within you know, our, our business and within the restaurant and so on. And so that really started me searching a lot for validation that I didn't feel that I was getting. School was great for me. Um, it was a place for me to be myself and not be my husband's wife. Um, it was a place for me to start making my own relationships. I ended up, I, I went first to Seattle uh, Central where I got a my associate's degree. And then as I was leaving Seattle Central and applying to four-year colleges, I uh, very abruptly quit my job, uh, which I've never done before in my life. Something happened, I can't remember some major upset, And I quit my job without having a job to go to, which was very alarming for someone dealing with a serious anxiety disorder. Um, And you gave up the one place where you didn't feel anxiety, right? Because you were saying when
0: you're at work, yeah. So you knew knew something had to change, but now you gave up the one time
1: of the day where you didn't feel that anxiety. Right. I mean, I've always felt safe at work in restaurants. I've always felt safe in the restaurant business. So around that time, that I quit my job it was actually the same day and I was really panicking that I had done that I was in the elevator in our condo building going home and I looked up on the wall and there was a post-it note stuck to the inside of the elevator and it said wanted secretary um, to help pay bills and write letters I think it was and I thought hmm I, I could do that and it said apply at the penthouse in my condo building and I thought well you know I could at least do that while I'm looking for a job right and it seemed very serendipitous that it happened to be posted at that exact moment so I I went to the penthouse I knocked on the door and the door opened and and I applied for the position and I and I got the job and as it turned out that gentleman was a man named Frank Haas who was Uh, I'm I'm not sure whether they have a board here or a foundation or what it is, but he was one of the members of Seattle Pacific University's board board. of trustees. Yeah. Yeah. And at that exact time, of course, I was looking for a four-year school and he said, you have to go to SPU. Now, I didn't know anything about SPU. It wasn't on my list of schools. You know, it's a smaller school. It's not one of the mainstream options that people normally talk about. And I wasn't really interested. You know, I had my sights set on UW. I wanted to go to business school there. But he absolutely persisted. Every time I saw him, I said, have you filled in the application? Have you filled in the application that, that you know, we're waiting for it? You have to go to this school. Um, and I avoided him for a while. And then finally, I was like, I'm going to have to apply to this school because I can't bear to see him again if I haven't done it. So I looked at the application process, and it was literally like a 40-hour Job. I mean, I had to write like five essays and write a statement of faith, which I didn't even understand. But I did it. I put in the time. I spent like forty hours, you know, applying to the school that that I wasn't interested in going to. And then they accepted me and and actually gave me a very generous scholarship offer. Um, But I also got another scholarship offer at at another school. I was going to go to the other school. But something in me made me come to the orientation. I think fear of Frank (laughs) asking me (laughs) had I been to the orientation. I can't go
0: home unless
1: I go to the orientation. Yeah. So I came to the orientation at SPU, and it really was a, a day that I actually remember very clearly in my mind. It was a memorable experience because I had never been to a place where everyone was so nice to me. From the moment I hopped off the bus, it was like stepping into a movie. (laughs) It's so beautiful here. Uh, The campus is so beautiful. But but more striking than that was how friendly and hospitable. I mean, I'm in the hospitality business. I know hospitality when I see it. And I've never been treated so well by everybody. I actually had one particular moment where I was – Uh, There was a a girl who was leading us around that day. She was a tour leader or something. And I had forgotten my lunch pass, that I needed to get into the cafeteria and get you know, a free lunch or something. And everyone was piling into the cafeteria. And I, at the time, had really bad anxiety. And I turned around and I said to her, I forgot my lunch pass. And it was kind of the end of my world because I didn't know where to go from there. And she just instantly handed me hers. And she said, have mine. And I said, but what are you going to do and she said I don't care and it was a moment that I just remembered as like a random act of kindness that really stuck with me and even though this other school was my first choice and it was closer to my house something in me told me that I should come to SPU because of that whole experience so I did and uh, my whole experience here was like that was that positive and I know you made some
0: great relationships with professors. One in particular that you've mentioned to me before is Jeff Van Duser, who ended up being the provost then for a number of years right. and who was a lawyer. And you had some other professors who were lawyers, and that led to a whole nother
1: journey for you. It did. I had so I had three people. There was a, a business professor called Jim Rand, um, who I don't believe is here any longer. He really. A lot of his teaching was really stayed with me and I think pushed me into actually entering business. A lot of people go to business school but don't open businesses. A lot of the teachers I came into contact with here really spurred me to action, to actual action, which I think has got to be the most important thing in a business school. Legally, uh, I had two professors. I was a TA for a professor called Grant Learned who was my business law professor, and then Jeff Van Duser taught ethics at the time. Two subjects that I loved so much, I realized that I should probably go to law school. And I did go to law school, mostly because of those two. And law school was a really great experience for me because it finally banished the anxiety because they really beat it out of you. (laughs) (laughs) You have you no can't, Yeah, you kinda have anxiety in law school. Well, and it
0: has to put to rest forever the idea that I'm not good enough because I didn't go to college, because now you have college and you have a law degree. Like that has to help with that identity piece.
1: True. Yeah, it really that was a lot of closure on that. And since getting those degrees and graduating law school, I have I no longer search for that validation. I mean it really was what I I think the therapist actually nailed it. <laughs> When he suggested that, the whole, you know, the whole experience definitely finished that searching chapter. Um, But I think SBU was a big part of it too, because this was the first place outside of my career that I ever felt part of, like I was part of a community and a really warmly accepted one too, just for me, not for anything else, but just for me as a person, which is unusual to find anywhere. You know, usually you're bringing a skill set or something into a situation, but here I find that people are very accepting of each other just at face value.
0: I also know from our previous conversations that there's a faith piece that, that kind of fell into place during your time at SPU and into law school as well.
1: Mm. Yeah, I was up, I was brought up fairly religiously, but like most people, I left the church as a teenager. I didn't return to church when I was at SPU. But what I reconnected with at SPU was that constant reminder of faith. They talk about faith a lot in the classrooms, which is startling at first when you're not used to it and when you're not attending church. And I liked it. And I also really, you know, observing the community around me you can't help but notice what a happy place SPU is. So when you get a whole group of people all together in one place that are really happy, (laughs) you can't really discount the values that are creating that. And it really made me look at my life and what was missing. And I think I really wanted to reconnect with that rhythm of faith. And I did. When I left SPU, it was very shortly after probably a matter of a month that I actually joined a church which I've been at for now 10 plus years. So it definitely jumpstarted my faith in a great way. Having so many people that were so admirable who were Christians around me was really powerful.
0: Thank you. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, So here you are, Finishing law school, you're overcoming anxiety, you're reconnecting with community and faith, and kind of getting your feet under yourself in a in a new way, in a in a better way. And then another new milestone in your life comes along. Um, I believe
1: the boys came along even before law school was was finished. Well, no, so we did have the restaurants, though. So the restaurants we opened as right as I was graduating from SPU. Okay. And. We, I actually wrote the business plan for Steelhead Diner at SPU, in business school. That was what I did all of my senior classes on. So Steelhead Diner was actually a project that you worked
0: on while you were at SPU.
1: It was uh, around about the time I was graduating SPU. Oceanair had announced that they were going to go public, which was not something we wanted to do. Restaurants going public are, and you know, a strange experience. I was in law school and had been so for two years and I was really entrenched in that environment of cr- creativity and talking about starting things and startups and finances and I was right in the middle of it and And my husband was like oh I think I'm just going to get a job as a sous chef somewhere or something and, and I said no you're not we're going to do our own thing because I was right in it you know I was just ready right to to do something and at the same time Hurricane Katrina had hit new orleans and um we had sold our house in new orleans and actually had some capital it all kind of happened at the same time so i was you know completely high off with confidence from business school and it was absolutely that confidence that got us the loan uh we had tried previously before to talk to banks about projects but neither of us had a degree so it was a losing battle but with an accounting degree it really changed the game they were willing to they could see that somebody knew what they were doing somebody knew about money and so we got a loan and we opened Stillhead Diner even the name Stillhead Diner came from one of the professors here who strongly suggested that we name the restaurant what it was so something cafe or something diner her Philosophy was that you always need to know what the name of the business, what the business is doing in the name. And interestingly, we have since opened a restaurant where we didn't put—you know—we used kind of a more obscure name, and it is our least successful <laughs> restaurant. So maybe she was onto something there. But the Steelhead Diner opened in 2007, the same year I uh, graduated here, and was just a runaway success. Probably our big, our biggest success. Instantly well-received by the public. Uh, Seattle Pacific University was incredibly present and supportive during the opening of that. I mean, I think they were just as excited as everybody. You know, that restaurant really firmly established our company. Still, to this day, it's what everyone attributes to us and talks about. It's a very family-orientated concept and about as Seattle is... You can get
0: so. The next time we interview you, can we do it at the restaurant so we can eat while we talk? <laughs> Absolutely, no problem. So restaurants are coming, and you're
1: doing new projects, and then family starts coming. Correct. We have we had wanted kids for a long time. It didn't quite go as planned, but we find when does it ever go exactly. Well? <laughs> and it's always funny to talk about these things after the fact because. When you're trying to have kids and you can't, it's the most heartbreaking thing in your life. And then 10 years later, when you have four and and you're tired, you can't remember any of that anymore. But uh, it was really difficult. But then we we had our twins, Zane and Wiley. Who now have a restaurant named after them. They do, yeah. We now have a steakhouse that's named after them. They're nine
0: now. And what do they think about a steakhouse named after them?
1: You know, we worried about that. We worried that it would... You know, perhaps they would think they owned it or be arrogant about it, but they really they really don't talk much about it. And when people say to them, Is that your restaurant? They say, Oh no. It's just our names on the on the (laughs) sign. It belongs to our mommy and daddy. So they're very they understand that they're just the namesake for the restaurant. But they do love to go there. They've only really eaten there two or three times though. But they must feel treated very well. Oh yeah, they're like star, they're little (laughs) stars when they go. Yeah.
0: So you have four children, five restaurants, um, multiple businesses, and a husband. How do you get through the day? What do you do for you to keep you, to keep you getting up every day and, and keeping all these balls in the air?
1: Well, martial arts, as you know, is a big part of my life, and that really keeps me grounded and calm. Since I started doing martial arts, I'm a lot calmer than I used to be. I look at the long, the long game rather than the short game. Church, one thing that I find very important as a business person, especially as someone with a company that's, you know, that's growing, it's really important to also be involved in other communities where you're different. So, you know, at work I'm the boss and people treat me a certain way, and you can get used to that and kind of get lost in your own. <laughs> ego and identity as a business person but then I have me you know at my kids school where I'm just saying I'm Wiley's Gracie and Fisher's mom and that's who I am and then at church you know I'm somebody different and I'm nobody's boss nobody sees me like that and at martial arts I'm you know that older lady that's in karate (laughs) you know and that's humbling too to be a beginner at something I think everyone who's an expert at something should always seek out something to be a beginner at because it keeps you grounded and kind of childlike in that you don't always know what's coming next. Um, keeps life interesting anyway and reminds you of the empathy of when you're working with someone where you are the right. expert, it reminds yeah. you how it
0: feels to to not understand everything that's happening. Yeah. yeah, for sure.
1: So I think you know my secret is definitely. Church is a big thing for me every Sunday being reminded that there is a absolutely gigantic picture <laughs> um, that you're just a really tiny part of and then staying involved in a number of communities so everything stays healthy and and realistic helps me you know to not get you know too caught up in everything and but mostly you know as you know any parent knows it's about really finding any time I can to be with my kids. I will
0: <laughs> tell our, our loyal listeners here that the first time I met you just to chat about your story and, and what we'd cover in this interview, we did it at the Karate Dojo while your kids <laughs> were taking lessons. And it was so fun for me as as a mom myself. It. I wish we, I could have more meetings that way. Like, let's double up on our time. Let's enjoy yeah. each other. And, of course, it was so fun to to have your children sitting on either side of me drawing and playing with nunchucks while yeah. we're talking. Like, it actually <laughs> is a better conversation for me, too. So I, I wish more people could, could learn to mingle parts of their lives together in that way and not be afraid to do that because you you're multiple people all the time everywhere you go. Right. So you might as well bring that to the table. Right. I agree. Yeah. One question I love to ask everyone that that comes on here is you clearly have something. You have something unique and different that has allowed you to accomplish all the things that you've accomplished. And so you must have different habits, different things you do than the rest of us. What
1: could we all do differently that would make this place a better place to be? You know, I would say two things. One, I run every day. And I think if everybody ran or walked an hour every morning before they started their day, it would be a different world. Um, Two, and this is a little bit of the OCD, um, revealing a little bit of the OCD side of me, but I write a very detailed list to the hour every single night, mapping out my next day and I stick to it and it really keeps me focused. Um, and I accomplish the things I want to accomplish. And usually my, often on my list, especially at work, I'll have one thing with a star by it. And that's the one thing I get done no matter what. <laughs> Whether the restaurant burns down <laughs> or something you know shocking happens, I will get that thing done. Um, and I think, so I think lists are great. Yeah, lists and exercise, that's my two. My two and things. I feel
0: like those balance each other out, don't they? Because if it's all lists, that can produce a lot of anxiety and pressure, but if it's all exercise and me time, you're never going to get everything done. So it's the balance, right? Sure. That's what I hear from you. It's that balance of do what you need to do so you can mm. stay grounded and be healthy, but also but get schedule, your stuff done. Yeah. Yes. Schedule free time. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, Teresa, I can't thank you enough for joining us here today and sharing part of your life story. And I think we can all be so inspired by, by what you've gone through and then what you were able to accomplish. So many times along the way, you could have just said, hmm, I don't need to do, I, I can let my husband be the star. Mm. I can, I have an anxiety disorder. I don't need to keep going forward, but look where you've come. And I just thank you for inspiring so many who will hear your story. Thank you.